Hello and welcome to Terrace Memoirs once again, uh, Her Game 2 series. This is episode 7, uh, the latest delve into the life of a football supporter. If you don't know me by now, I'm Dave Harris, Reading fan of 32 years, season ticket holder for 22. Um, and continuing the series into the month of July, uh, the Her Game 2 series into the month of July, that is, of course. Um, purely because of diary commitments, um, but today I'm delighted to be heading across the seven once again uh, to the land of music, song, lava bread and cowl, and the land where everyone wants to keep up with the Joneses because there's so bloody many of them. Um, Newport County are the club in question today, uh, but more importantly, I'm once again talking to one of the um, co-founders of the Her Game 2 campaign, um, Caitlin Bennett appears as the last, but by no means least, woman uh, to display just one of the many sexist messages women receive within football. And Caitlin, you are warmly welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm all good. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Uh, fantastic. So before we get into anything football related, um, do you like Carol? Do you like lava bread? And can you sing? Um, no to all three. No. <laughs> 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 uh, we won't go any further into that one then. Um, so, uh, before Newport, um, there is this small um, international tournament going on across Europe at the moment. Let's not get it confused with the one that's going on in South America, of course. Um, Euro 2020. Uh, obviously, Wales qualified uh, once again and generally did themselves did themselves a, um, a, a good uh, a, well, there was a good turn. Credit to the to the nation. Um, what are your thoughts on um, the Welsh effort and the tournament as a whole? I mean, I think I'm really proud of the country, as I always am. <laughs> but um, I think we, we made a really good effort. And with all the other factors that go along, uh, that went along with the tournament, you know, I got some stick on social media for, you know, seeming like I was complaining about the distance we travelled and the lack of fans and, and all the other things that, you know, kind of have made an unfair tournament, in my opinion, so far. And um, a lot of English fans ripped into me saying I was making up excuses and I was whinging. Um, but I think the the fact is that you can't deny. And um, I think they definitely played a part in our tournament. But 2016 was great. But I think we forget that we are little old Wales. And I think, you know, round of 16 is a huge, a huge achievement before... 2016 we hadn't made an international tournament for 60 years and I think mm -hmm. people forget that because of the success of 2016 um so yeah I think we can be massively proud and I think the future of Welsh football is extremely promising so as much as that Denmark game was really hard to take at the time I think now in hindsight we can look back and be extremely proud of what we achieved yeah absolutely I completely agree um was there obviously Denmark? Um, Denmark were, were and continue to be an extremely galvanised nation after what happened on the opening day. Yes, um, was there a um, a sense of um, if there was a team that you're going to lose to, then we we would prefer it to be Denmark, or was it just uh, uh, was that kind of not ignored but um, overlooked, as it were? Um. For me personally, it wasn't, I wasn't sort of like, oh, I'd rather face them, I'd rather face them, I'd rather not face Denmark because, you know, the the whole story surrounding, you know, Christian Eriksen, it brought out such humanity and it almost made the fixture more important kind of because 
I feel like Wales are known for this like outpouring of passion and um you know being able to kind of switch it on when we need to and being like this almost giant killer sort of energy I suppose around our country especially after 2016 and um I just kept saying to everyone if anyone can do it Wales can because you just never know with Wales because like I said our, our passion kind of overrides everything in the end even if you know we're not we're not having a fantastic game or if when the anthem starts blaring amongst the crowd you know we can kind of pull everything like pull something from nowhere especially with players like Gareth Bale who you know he can find a goal out of absolutely nowhere um so I think for me it was never about the opposition but yeah I think it, it kind of added some some importance to the fixture and and it was a bit like okay if I can cope with losing to Denmark maybe if it was someone else then yeah, it, it would have um, hit a bit harder, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of happy that it was Denmark because of their whole story. And, yeah. you know, they, they've been fantastic as well in terms of not just the Ericsson story and pulling together after that, but, you know, their quality. I mean, they've they've been fantastic to watch as well. So, and I mean, yeah, they really did rip us apart. So I take nothing away from them whatsoever because, my gosh, they were fantastic against us. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I suppose um, this evening, uh, there'll be, I think, it's what three and a half million population in Wales, isn't it? Um, yeah. There'll be uh, plenty of people uh, cheering on another. Well, the, the Danes, obviously, in red shirts uh, this evening, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely will be. Yes, not afraid to yeah. admit it at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 neither, neither should you be. Um, <laughs> you met, just, just, uh, just briefly, then we, you, you touched on Gareth Bale there and the effect that he's had on the national team over, over not just the last five years, but pretty much since he, uh, uh, since he really started blossoming into the player that he was that that, that made Real Madrid um, spend, sort of, uh, what is it, nine a nine-figure sum on him. Yeah. Um, is, there, um, is there any sort of uh, sense of worry or, or trepidation, given that he's obviously no spring chicken anymore? Um, and Or is, is Wales, um, or sort of the Welsh national team, in a, in a, in a relatively steady um, place going forward? Yeah, I'd like to think we are, because I think... We were once looked at as a nation like Gareth Bale was um, not the star man because he still is the star man, but kind of like the only good player we had kind of thing. Um, but I think we've definitely proved ourselves now on, on a stage that is absolutely massive at the Euros in 2016. And I feel like we did prove ourselves again this tournament. Um, and, you know, some of the youngsters coming through have been absolutely unbelievable. You know, Ampadu, Dan James was like our player of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's still young. I think people forget that about him. But, um, you know, we got Brooks, Harry Wilson. There's so many young players coming through that I think once Gareth Bale does retire, as much as it pains me that he's going to have to at some point, um, then, yeah, I, I'd like to think I'm fairly confident in in the talent we've got coming through. But, um, yeah, you, I mean, you can't deny what what a presence Gareth Bale has just as a captain, as a player. You know, he, he was one of the best in the world. When he's at his best, he really is. I believe that. Um, and to do it for for a club like Real Madrid as well, I think sometimes um, how good he really is sometimes gets mm-hmm. overlooked. But he just he turns it on in a Wales shirt as well because of the passion he has for his country and and you can you can tell he just absolutely loves playing for Wales. Yeah. Wales, golf, Real Madrid, in that order. In that um, order. 
Yeah, as, as I say, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Um, I mean, I, I saw uh, Gareth Bale play when he was at Spurs uh, and he was um, head and shoulders above anything else on the pitch. He really made Spurs tick against against Reading. Um, the way that he's been treated over the last two to three years um, at Real Madrid is absolutely appalling. Um, okay. And the way that I think, um, you know, even the Real Madrid fans as well, um, they seem to have an absolutely um, complete ruthless streak about them. Um, that if you know that if a player is doing you know, doing what they want them to do and doing well for the club, that's all well and good. That's fine, and they'll they'll love him for that. But the moment it starts going a bit wrong, they will turn. And I think that's fundamentally wrong. Um, oh yeah, football is so fickle. They seem they seem to they seem to forget completely um, what that man did for um, for Real Madrid. And brought them uh, up to that. That they were already at a deep, obviously a very, very good standard, um, and able to at least sort of compete with Barcelona. Um, but they needed that extra piece in the jigsaw, and Gareth Bale seemed to provide that. Uh, and for two or three years, Gareth Bale was was uh, was one of the key key cogs in uh, in that Real Madrid team. Um, and I don't, I can't understand for the life of me why they turned on him the way that they did. Uh, but it's all, uh, it's all. It's all surrounded um, from memory. Um, the um, manager Zidane, uh, Zidane yeah. just doesn't doesn't fancy him. And Zidane again, they say he's got a ruthless streak. And as a manager, you've got to have that. Um, but there's a way to do it. And the way that he's treated Gareth Bale and Real Madrid have treated Gareth Bale is, uh, has been absolutely appalling. Um, and no doubt that's had an effect on his international uh, performances because you know if you're not playing club football. Um, it's going to affect your performance at the, um, the the absolute top level, isn't it? Yeah, completely. And I, I think, I don't know if it is something to do with him being Welsh, because, I mean, I saw, you see tweet after tweet just so casually about, well, he didn't make an effort to learn Spanish and X, Y and Z and all these kind of made up reasons for why he was kind of, you know, almost fed to the Lions a bit amongst the fans, Real Madrid fans. And uh, but you can like go on YouTube and you can find videos of him like doing Spanish interviews and stuff. So I really, I really don't know where it came from. And like you said, when he provided so much for that team, um, maybe it's a bit of overshadowing from you know Cristiano Ronaldo as well potentially. But um, I mean, even if you put that aside, like you can't deny like his presence on on the pitch as a player and you know as a captain for Wales also. And I think the first camp after he'd been, you know, it was kind of all up in the air and it was basically, he is leaving Real Madrid. Um, I mean, the the smiles on his face and stuff when he entered our Wales camp, it was like complete switch. It was like, mm. right, he's back home, he's where he's comfortable, he's with his friends, you know, he's back with his, well, he, he would be with his family, but he's back in his country. And um, yeah, he, he kind of really does, you know, like prevail for Wales. So um, especially yeah. in, in such a, a, a bit of a horrible time for him at Real Madrid, yeah. Yeah. Any chance of seeing him down at Rodney Parade anytime soon then? Oh my gosh, I'd love it. Well, we've had Joe <laughs> Ledley, so we had Joe Ledley, so you never know. <laughs> never say never when you put County, honest to God. Yeah, sure. So so moving on to, to Newport. Um it's been I mean you promoted uh when was it from the from the Blue Square um Prem? That was two thousand and thirteen, yeah, wasn't it? Two thousand and thirteen, yep. Yeah, and it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride since then. More ups than downs, but there's been some very close shaves. Um, but the last couple of seasons have been very strong, haven't they? Yeah, they've, it, it's been fun to be a Newport County fan. You know, I've, I've been going over since I was 10. So 
like just after our promotion into the blue square um it even sounds weird saying blue square like my friends laugh when i say that um because it mm. seems like such a long time ago but um yeah they, it, it was and that was bit... 2000 and 2010 you were promoted from the national league south wasn't it yeah and then that was my first season going over there 10 11 yeah um well, I'd, I'd been to like one or two games the previous season and then and then fully got into it like 2010-11. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it has. It's, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, to be honest. But I think since Michael Flynn coming in, that's really where um, the club has picked up and he is kind of like Mr. Newport County now. Um, yeah, it, it's been fun. You know, the FA Cup has been, uh, we really put our names, we really put ourselves on the map. For the FA Cup, and obviously we've had we made the playoff final twice in like you know like the last three years. Which if you'd have told me that when I was ten years old, would have been I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, yeah, no, it has been fun. It's been it's been a fun. It's a fun time right now to be a Newport County supporter, definitely. Yeah, because you mentioned the FA Cup, and there's been a couple of uh, really significant uh, performances against. Uh, well, most significantly, I think Leicester. Uh, but yeah. you also, was, did you take uh, Spurs? To, was it a replay that you took them to, or did you? Did you I can't. I can't quite remember. Um, yeah, we took there was we a... took Spurs to a replay, held them at one nil, um, and then Harry Kane. You know, he had to come in and ruin that, didn't he? Um, <laughs> but yeah, beat Leicester, beat Leeds, we beat Middlesbrough. Um, beat obviously we played Manchester City, um, but yeah, took Spurs to a replay. Um, I mean, even saying that out loud now is kind of crazy. Um, the fact that like the whole nation was kind of watching us and ready for us to beat whoever was put in front of us is um, a bit insane, even now saying it. Yeah, because uh, I, I, I mean, Rodney Parade, let's just quickly talk about Rodney Parade briefly. Yeah. Um, I've not, not been to Rodney Parade. It's one of about 20 grounds that I've not been to in the, in the 92. Um, but when I've when I've seen teams um, go there, and when I've seen t uh, uh, games on TV, it's it's almost a what I'd call a classic Welsh atmosphere. It's hostile, it's intimidating, it's passionate, um, it's unwelcoming for away teams, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's, uh, definitely. It's like our little fortress. Is, yes, yeah, and I think does does that? Well, well clearly that plays uh, plays into your hands quite significantly. But do you think that sometimes that when you have teams that come to um, Rodney Parade for from the upper echelons of the of the Football League and, and the Premier League, um, that takes them by surprise? Do they, not, do they Do you think they don't quite expect it? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I remember when we played, um, I think it would have been um, Tottenham, um, and Gabby Logan was saying on the BBC, you know, they came down and the changing rooms were small and the floodlights are bright and the atmosphere is very much, you can't, you can't escape it. And um, I almost felt like being a bit like, don't take anything away from how we performed. It wasn't just like the atmosphere. You know, our players are fantastic and they thrive in that environment now. And yeah. uh, like a lot of the players have been with us for a while now and, and they're used to it. And they know that when they step out at Rodney Parade is, is such an advantage. I always say like having fans and having passionate fans who are loud and get behind you. You know, I, I truly believe fans win games from the terraces. So um yeah, even for, like you said, the upper echelons of, of Manchester City, um, coming to Rodney Parade is extremely, extremely intimidating. I mean, even for other League Two um, teams, they they say, you know, it's um, it's not an easy ground to play at um, and it never has been and I don't think it ever will be. Um, 
yeah, we, we just kind of make that atmosphere and we're like, okay, you really got to work extremely hard to to get anything here, even when we're not playing at our best or it's still like a really hostile environment, I suppose, for, for any away club. And we've proved that time and time again. And, you know, when, when Pep Guardiola is saying the same things all over national news um, about our fans, our players, the atmosphere, the, the ground, the changing rooms, yeah, um, it really does hammer home what, you know, our, our fan, our supporters are, are really special and passionate and like like no other set of fans, yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, some of the, uh, many of the older fans will have uh, will have gone through the whole uh, winding up of the, the original Newport County and been some of the original exiles, hence the reason why the nickname is the exiles, is it not? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, yeah, that must have been a really really tough time and a weird time because you look back now and it's still even brought up brought up now at one point we didn't have a football club and then like I said you've got Pep Guardiola Pochettino on the news talking about how great our fans are and and we're we're a fan-owned club as well so I think that you know it adds to the kind of magic of our story and um, mm-hmm. I, I do think we really have a, an important history and a really really special story that I think just adds so much magic to um, all yeah. the things we've achieved. And a, a quick uh, sort of um, hypothetical fist bunk and nod and wink towards Harry Davis, who uh, who I had on my uh, on my on my my previous episode. By the time this goes out, um, uh, that the episode with Harry Davis will be will be out, and that's of course with uh, Harry as a Portsmouth fan, who were of course previously fan owned. Um, they're now owned by um, uh, somebody who's to do with Disney. I forget his name off the top of my head. Um, but um, yeah, so but fan ownership is uh, it galvanises um, a club, and you see you see the likes of Exeter City with through all of the troubles that they had, yeah. Newport uh, clearly thriving as well. I mean they're obviously competing at the top end now of the of, of League Two, pushing um, almost every season for the playoffs uh, yeah. and automatic promotion. Um, so is that kind of the uh, the hope and expectation going into the new season, or and, and given that? Um, it might be different in Wales. I'm not entirely sure, um, but I'm sure you'll you'll you'll, you'll let me know. Um, but in England, um, it's looking like uh, football stadia will be um, as they were uh, when when the new season starts. Is that going to be the same in Wales? Um, and, and has the Welsh Assembly um, allowed that, or is it still going to be restricted over there? Um, we're still yet to find out. Um, so all the announcements for England and everyone getting excited we're still you know hanging on in there for the for the same um but I think at the moment plans are in place for maybe like 900 fans kind of the same amount and the same restrictions that we had at the playoff semi-final mm-hmm. um which even that you know it, it's such a big thing I've been over there this season as part of the media team and it's just not the same like Rodney Parade is absolutely soulless without fans and I got quite emotional when fans were back in for the Forest Green Rovers game because mm-hmm. I, I kind of, it took so long to get used to them not being there, but then it kind of almost feels like it's going to take a while to get used to fans being back too. It almost felt more strange than being in, in a weird way. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I look at some of the games we had in like the FA Cup and we played Newcastle and the, the Brighton game as well this season. And I think... Oh, if only we had fans in, because I feel like we definitely would have won those games. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they make such a difference. 
and the yeah the playoff final making the playoff final this season was kind of bittersweet because the fans hadn't been able to see any of it especially with you know old foes like Kevin Ellison his story this season was just you know you couldn't write that and um, the fact that fans weren't able to kind of see his his little story with Newport County um, yeah, it, it, it kind of was bittersweet, but being able to have them in to some extent at the final was um, fantastic. So my fingers are crossed extremely tightly for next season because oh, it would just be brilliant to have them back. Mm-hmm. As, uh, presumably, as I say, the uh, the expectation and the hope is to be pushing towards the top end and ideally avoiding the playoffs and um, and going up automatically. Yeah, I think we've kind of made a pact now at the club. No more playoffs. <laughs> None of us can deal with that anymore. It's heartbreak. Um, yeah, it, it's a lot of energy. <laughs> um, and it completely zaps you when you when you don't get the result you want. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've said, like, can we please just avoid that next season? And we just we just won the autos. And, um, I, it, yeah, that certainly seems the message around the club that that's what, that's what we're rooting for because... I say time and time again, I hate the word overachieving. I think as much as our history plays such an important part in our story and where we are now, and you have to bring it into context at times, but I think some people dwell on the fact that, you know, we we achieved the great escape in 2017 and we were exiled back in 1989. And I think people still kind of bring that into a point where it's like, oh, well, we made the playoffs and, you know, a few years ago we almost got relegated. So I, I think you can't think like that. I think you've got to think about development and progression. Um, so, yeah, I think automatic promotion, it definitely isn't a long shot because we've proved we can do it time and time again. And like I said, we proved it hasn't just, um, you know, overachievement on on the off season. Um, yeah, I think we've, we've proved we can we can play amongst amongst those considered bigger teams in the league and oh it would be great automatic promotion I can't even imagine with the fans back too it would yeah be stuff of dreams honestly because like I said my heart is still absolutely broken from like 2019 let alone this season as well mm-hmm. yeah because uh 2019 was uh was the last minute defeat to Tranmere wasn't it and uh yeah. this year obviously Sorry to remind you, of course. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm yeah, still it, not was, over uh, it. it was a, 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 shall we call it a ropey penalty um, against Morecambe, wasn't it? Oh, I, I mean, I think ropey is generous. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it, we were robbed. We really were. I'm going to get really passionate now about it. But, um, I think Please do. If we were, you know, if we'd played extremely badly or we didn't take, I mean, you could argue we didn't take our chances, and I'm known for being like a really kind of negative football fan amongst my friends and with my dad as well um we could win and I'll be the I'll be the fan walking out saying yeah but we could have scored another two or um and usually I'd be that person where I'm like yeah we had a penalty go against us but we should have taken our chances earlier on etc etc but I I couldn't even think like that this time I just felt absolutely robbed um because I thought we played brilliantly and we gave everything and um yeah, I think if you if we went out on penalties or um, we played badly, I think you can take it a bit more because it kind of feels like, I feel like you can accept the loss more when you know it's down to you. But when it's just absolutely snatched out of your hands, it was, yeah, it was extremely tough to take. 
yeah, I feel your pain. Again, it's a, re- a recurring theme over my episodes. Um, people talk about playoff defeats, and when we talk about um, playoff campaigns with Reading, that's all we've ever known. So, yeah, I completely, <laughs> yeah. Feel, I completely feel your pain. But yeah, going it, it back does to... drain you for, like, the whole summer. It really does, oh, unless gosh. you have, like, an international tournament. It, it does. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, after Absolutely. after the final, it was like, okay, at least we've got some promise now with Wales. But if we hadn't have had an international tournament, yeah, I still would be dwelling on it even more so than I am now. So take us back to the very beginning. Then um, you mentioned earlier um, that you start going uh, after Newport had been promoted from the Blue Square South. Yeah. Two thousand and nine, ten. They absolutely robbed the division that year, didn't they? Um, yeah, we really did. Um, I think I remember it was about 30 points clear, wasn't it? And, and Yeah, just, we had a record number of points dominant. and then we were like 30 clear of Dover who came second. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you started going um, in 2010. Um, yeah. So, yeah. How did it all begin? Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird story, actually. Um, I was a Liverpool fan. Um, loved watching Liverpool on telly because I absolutely loved Fernando Torres. Um, <laughs> so they were like my team. And um, so I always loved football. I've always been very sporty. I love Formula One as well. And my dad kind of got me into watching boxing at a really young age. So they were kind of like my three sports. But I was happy just kind of, you know, being in love with Steven Gerrard. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then my dad... My dad was a fan when he was really young, but, you know, because of work and stuff like that, he just kind of would follow results, but stopped going over um, just because obviously life happens. And then my brother um, loved football as well. um, And he was in the Swansea development. um, So loved playing football, loved watching it. So my dad was like, okay, well, I'll take you over to watch Newport County. And um, so they went. And then my mum used to work away and the one weekend County were playing and my mum was working away and I was dragged along and I was kicking and screaming because I didn't want to go. Because I was quite an anxious child, like the thought of going over there and loads of men shouting and being drunk and kind of really Mm -hmm. freaked me out. So I kicked off and I screamed and I really didn't want to go. But, you know, my dad and my brother, that, that was their thing. Like they absolutely loved going to watch the football. So... I had to go and, and grin and bear it and I absolutely fell in love with it from <laughs> from that first game. And I remember looking at my dad at, at the end of the game and he was like, see you on that bad, is it? And I was like, dad, can I come next time with you as well, please? <laughs> and yeah, and just absolutely, absolutely loved it. The atmosphere, live football, there's nothing like it. I mean, when you when you watch on the telly, it's all good. and But when you're there and there's an atmosphere and you're watching your team win and there's just absolutely nothing like it. Nothing like it. It was, it was what my my whole week surrounded was going to the football on the weekend or on a Tuesday evening. Yeah, it's all I would think about, basically. Mm-hmm. But can you remember the first game that you went to? I have no idea who we played. <laughs> Honestly, I really don't. I couldn't tell you because, like I said, yeah. I, I could not care less. <laughs> At the time, I really... I didn't want to go. I did, I knew nothing about the team, nothing about the manager, nothing about the opposition, nothing about the league. I knew we'd just been promoted because um, I remember the the bus going around the city and, you know, obviously that was such a huge deal. 
and in mm -hmm. the manner we'd won the league as well. Um, but no, even to this day, I have absolutely no idea who he played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so your your memories of, of first going. I mean, obviously, you were you you mentioned that you were sort of a very anxious child. Um, yeah. But once you actually got in that ground, um, sat down, started hearing the noises, smelling the smells, and uh, listening to the people around you and what was going on on the pitch and everything. Is that what kind of uh, sort of uh, should we call it transposed that that anxiety into um, in, into a love for football in Newport County? What what is, was there any sort of specific trigger or was it uh, just everything kind of cocktailed into one? Yeah, I think it probably was a cocktail, and the fact that I was there with my dad, so I and my brother, so I knew I was safe. You know, it kind of was more of the idea of it and when I got there everyone was so friendly and everyone's all like I feel like that's another thing with Newport County fans it's, it's like we all know each other and everyone was friendly and no one was pushy or or anything like that um and you you kind of all united under like a common denominator which is just your love for the club no matter where you're from what your background is what gender you are um on that day, the only thing everyone wants is for Newport County to win, and you are united by that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it was a cocktail of everything, and I think it's it's stuff like that that people who don't, you know, watch live football don't realise. It's the smells, it's the noise of the turnstiles, it's the, that initial chant when your players are walking out. There's absolutely nothing like it, and I think once I was there, yeah, I realised that there kind of was nothing to to worry about. And yeah, it almost is it, definitely become probably my biggest form of escapism um, over the years from kind of being quite an anxious person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when, at what point could, are you able to um, point to a, a, a period in time where your memories really start solidifying with, with games? Um, would that be sort of later on that season or maybe a little bit little bit further on? Yeah, I'm, I mean, even now, I'm. my friends laugh at me because I'm terrible at remembering names, like goal scorers, score lines. I'm, I'm terrible at it. Um, yeah. Which, with what I, you know, being kind of like a sports journalist isn't the best. But I, I could have watched someone last night and I don't, like, I remember the names of people who scored the goals. It's, it's really bad. It's something I'm trying to work on. It's really bad. But... Um, yeah, I kind of, when I was younger, all the games kind of like morph into one for me. I remember certain players and, you know, the players who I absolutely loved watching. Um, and like the the end of season games and stuff like that. But like I said, I'm, I'm terrible at remembering like opposition and stuff like that. But um <laughs> Yeah, think, yeah it's, it's memory... not it's not something that everybody that everybody in fact that you'd be you might be surprised just how many people um, are like that. I mean, not everybody has um, the ability to remember absolutely every sort of minute detail about a game. Um, so you know, it's it's no uh, it's no no slight on you for not being able to yeah. to remember absolutely like, I, everything. I but... have some friends and they know like the minute that a, like a tackle was put in from like 10 years ago and I'm like that's crazy because like I said all, all my memories kind of just morph into one especially when I was younger um but I remember like managers coming in and um swapping rounds and I remember Dean Holdsworth leaving and I remember Danny Rose leaving and I remember stuff like Danny Rose saying happy birthday to me which was just it, that would have probably been like my 10th or 11th birthday 
and it mm-hmm. was just you know my life was made um so I remember <laughs> all the little stuff like that but like results and and stuff like that kind of yeah go over my head a little bit yeah yeah so that I mean you mentioned some of the managers I mean one of the we'll get into a bit more about him later on but of course the yeah. uh the one that uh that really, um, I think, sticks out in everybody's memory across the football world is the is the the chap who um, who engineered the promotion to the football league, um, Justin Edinburgh. Um, yeah. And you know, um, the, the guy's um, been sort of respected at every club that he's managed. I think it was at Gillingham and Leighton Orient and, and Newport. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just a, a you know. A, we touched on on what happened to Christian Eriksen on the pitch, of course, um, and you know Justin had uh, just got Leighton Orient promoted again, hadn't he? And uh, uh, similar similar manner to how he got Newport promoted, um, and it all yeah. came to a very very tragic and sudden end, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think every club he went to, even as a player, like all the memories that that came out afterwards, and even at the time, because. People, I, I feel like with Edinburgh, everyone respected him whilst he was here, which is such an important thing for me. Like Newport County, he knew how loved he was by Newport County, even after leaving. Um, and at Gillingham, I don't think, you know, results and stuff kind of didn't go his way, but everyone respected him. And Leighton Orion, he, he was an absolute hero. And then even people he played with, like at Tottenham, and, and everyone just, like social media just absolutely flooded with all these stories of that how much of an amazing man he is as, you know, a, a father, a husband, a player, a manager, um, a person as well, because I feel like he befriended a lot of supporters and families involved with every, like, every club he went to. And um, I can't speak highly enough of him. And even whilst he was still here, I couldn't speak highly enough of him. So, yeah, a, an absolute tragic end. And, yeah, my heart really did break when I heard the news. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, we'll we'll go on into a bit more on on uh, Justin Edinburgh a bit later on. Um, so, but going back to um, sort of Newport sort of seasons and your and your memories of them, um, the well, we might as well we might as well go into that season that that he engineered um, the promotion season. And you've spoken about um, playoffs being um, a bit of a bad memory in recent. Uh, yeah, recent <laughs> recent years. Um, yeah. <laughs> of course, uh, that was the season. Two thousand and twelve, thirteen was the season that Mansfield uh, were automatically promoted from the Blue Square Premier um, on yeah. the back of their pretty much on the back of their performance against Liverpool, wasn't it? Um, but yeah. uh, Newport um, finished third that season, and um, lo and behold, were promoted via the playoffs, weren't they? Yeah, I mean that day stick like so vivid in my memory. Um, and it, when I think that that's like eight years ago, it's just that's so crazy to me because it, like I said, it's a day that I remember so well, like the coach journey with my dad, and you know when you get to to Wembley and where you go for like a drink. Obviously, not me at thirteen years old, but um, like just the atmosphere and you kind of you turn Wembley into a home away from home almost because. Everywhere you like, you're in London, but everywhere you look is like a familiar face. So I, I just think Le- Wembley is such an amazing day out, and the fact that we've managed to do it so many times. Um, like I said, we kind of turned it into a home away from home now. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that day was just, it was absolutely incredible. Everything about it. Um, 
you know, the fact that Michael Flynn was in the team and and now look look what he's doing for us. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, Robbie Wilmot, we just re-signed him again and he was in the team. Um, David Pike lifting the trophy was just incredible. Andy Sandell's assist, the two goals, the fact that it was against a, a Welsh side as well. They were kind of like, they were kind of our nearest rivals we've had for so many years now when we, mm -hmm. when we used to play Wrexham in yeah. the blue square. Um, yeah, everything about the day was just absolutely magical and it's, it's still one of my favourite days ever. Yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, and and you know, just a quick word on, on Wrexham, of course. It was uh, not the first time that they've uh, been so so near yet so far from promotion. I mean, uh, just, well, the season before that, I think it was, um, they ended up in the Blue Square um, Blue Square Premier with um, a pretty much 100 points and finished second because Fleetwood won, won the division. Um, so they obviously had a very, very strong side around that time and, uh, and they just couldn't, couldn't get it over the uh, get it over the line. No, they, yeah, they were a great side, and I remember being slightly worried because as much as you know, you want you want to back your team going into it, you've got to be realistic about who you're facing. And um, yeah, they were an extremely strong side, but we just something in us like prevailed, and they just could not could not break us. I mean, it was the shakiest ninety minutes I've ever known. It was so. <laughs> Like Lenny Pidgeley in goal was just absolutely incredible. The amount of saves he had to make, and I, in a way, I kind of feel like he won us the game because um, he he kept them out so many times, and it was as nerve wracking as it sounds. Um, it was a horrible ninety minutes, absolute. Well, a horrible eighty six until we managed to break the deadlock. Yeah, it was. Um, th those eighty six minutes were not fun <laughs> at all. No. Because, like you said. They they really showed their quality and it was, it was an extremely tight game. Yeah. But, you know, clearly um, Newport prevailed and they've been in the, uh, well, in league two ever since, haven't they? Um, yeah. You mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. Uh, there's been a couple of uh, 22nd place finishes and there's been a, a couple of playoff pushes and, and playoff campaigns, of course, but by and large, it's been, more positive than negative, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think even when you look at 2017, when we managed the great escape, I think that really instilled in the players and in, you know, Michael Flynn's kind of mentality as a manager that no matter what, we don't, we don't back down. Like our, we have a chance we're Newport County, we fight to the end. And I kind of feel like that's, that's what we've become known for. You know, even in some of the FA Cup games and stuff, um, we just, we managed to pull this fight um, from within, and like I said, we've had some like some of the players now for for a good few years. So I feel like that's the foundation that we go into every game with, and ultimately, I feel like that fight and that grit, and um, it doesn't matter how we get over the line, but we just get over it. Um, from 2017, from the Great Escape onwards, I think we we take that into every game with us now, almost. Yeah. And that uh, that season, of course, saw Hartlepool uh, go down, and it was um, well, it wasn't it wasn't too bad a goal either, was it? That uh, that saw you uh, saw you save your save your your skins, uh, if I remember rightly. It was Mark O'Brien in the 90th minute, wasn't it? Um, with a oh yeah, um, a bit of a well, he just put his laces through it, didn't he? And it flew into the top corner, and um, yeah, broke, and broke some was... northeastern hearts in the process. Yeah, almost broke the net too. It, it was it was his first professional <laughs> yeah. goal as well. 
and um yeah I I mean it was it was just I remember crying on the terraces because someone showed me their phone and we were as it stood we were relegated and um I remember someone showed me their phone and you know it, the, the clock's ticking and you think as much as you want to be hopeful and like I said Newport County kind of have this thing of finding something out of absolutely nowhere and we're like known for late goals now um and th but you like I said you have to be realistic and the clock was ticking and we were in the red zone and I was like it's just this this just isn't gonna happen and I was thinking we're gonna get relegated and I was all these thoughts were going through my head like how do you even cope with a relegation as a as a football supporter it is literally mm -hmm. your heart being completely shattered um and all these things are going through my head like I don't actually know how I'm going to get over it if we do get relegated because I think that fight from the conference into becoming a professional football club and going into league two is is so tough and I feel like you know maybe some top six clubs and stuff like that um yeah, the, the battle to become a professional football club is is really, really tough. And you see clubs drop back down and then they never quite find the momentum again to come back up. Um, you know, between like the Prem and the Championship, you kind of see the same teams drop out and then come back up. But mm -hmm. between League Two and the Conference, it really isn't like that. You kind of drop down and, um, and then you almost like drop down again. Um, yeah, so it's hard it's... To, to regain momentum, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost, um, I mean, it's difficult enough because there's only two promotion spaces. Um, yeah. But, uh, you see, you see um, you know, clubs that have an extremely long football league history dropping down. Wrexham uh, being a, a prime case in point, they dropped out uh, 10 or 15 years ago now. And uh, yeah. they, they've not made it back. You look at clubs like Torquay United, you look at clubs like uh, Mansfield, who were uh, of course, when it went uh, promoted with you, you know, they took um, an age to get back up. Um, yeah. And it seems if you don't do it at the first attempt, um, then it becomes you know an ever more of a uh, a struggle with each year. Um, so it's a little bit of a, of a of a graveyard division for football league clubs, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think, like I said, all these thoughts were going through my head because I'd been a supporter when we were back in. The conference so I kind of knew how that league worked and although it was you know a, a good few years before that all these things go rushing through your head and um I remember watching the goal and I remember turning to my dad and just being like it was Mark O'Brien he just seemed like the last if you'd have told me to write from one to eleven the most likely goal scorers of that day Mark O'Brien probably would have been like bottom of my list because like mm -hmm. I said it was his fantastic player one of my favorite players um, absolutely solid old school defender and um, Flinny shouted from the sidelines from to like go up front and I remember thinking what on earth is going on and um, yeah he went up there and like you said he just absolutely the cross from David Pike the little flick on from Marlon Jackson and then Mark O'Brien just absolutely lacing his boots through it for his first professional goal too and to keep us in the football league Um it's one of those ones where in the 89th minute also is it's one of those ones you can't quite believe all those things um you know kept us up really but yeah. um yeah well i mean instantly he etched his name into newport county history and what what ended up happening with him due to like his retirement that was also really sad um but like i said he, he'll be a name that is um respected throughout the city for 
you know, mm-hmm. for the rest of time now because of that. Yes, absolutely. And of course, I get back along the uh, the playoff theme as well. Um, I, I don't know if you've listened to uh, to, to previous episodes, but um, I revealed uh, two or three days after it, uh, I, I went to Hartlepool's playoff final win over Torquay um, oh, uh, really? last month. Uh, yes, I did. So um, there's a there's a, a a rekindling of a of a not I wouldn't call it a rivalry, but of course you know it's the first time that you that your two clubs will have met um, since that that epic goal, isn't it? Um, and I'm sure you know, certainly Hartlepool uh, Hartlepool hearts and, and and thoughts and feelings will be yeah we got to, we, we want to get one over on them. Yeah, I'm sure Jeff Stelling's going to be you know as 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 biased as he was the last time we played on Soccer Saturday as well. Um, but, well, we, we sent them down and then we also got Podrick Amund off them too. So it was like we kicked them while they were down, kind of, because um, mm-hmm. we just sent them down and then, you know, we took their best player off them too. So, yeah, they, they're probably going to feel like they definitely have something to avenge, but, you know, it makes it fun, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely does. So that uh, that little that little bit of uh, running form at the back end of 2017 was it five wins in in your last seven wasn't it that 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 snuck you over the line on goal difference if I remember rightly yeah yeah it was I mean like I said Flinny's appointment just it couldn't have come at a better time we'd had such a such a challenging season with Graham Wesley and and. You know, everyone knows about Graham Wesley. Um, yeah. And then John Sheridan, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so many stories about Graham Wesley. Um, and then, yeah, John Sheridan, he managed to pick us up slightly. Um, yeah. And then obviously Wesley come in and just, it was like, we're going to get relegated with him, which would have just been even worse, to yeah. be honest. Um, and then, yeah, Flinny kind of came in at the perfect, perfect moment. and. Um, yeah, well, he, he's at Newport born and bred and I just feel like he brought in, as much as he brought in great tactics and great management and good man management too, he brought in that that grit and he was able to hammer home to the players how much this means to the city and to the fans and how much is riding on them, staying up and and um, even just like club finances and stuff. Like I said, being a fan-owned club, we kind of needed to stay in in league two the idea was kind of if we don't don't remain in the league you know we don't know what the future of our football club is so um there was a lot more to it than just um potentially going back down to the conference it was mm-hmm. it was so much riding on that and I feel like Flynn was the perfect man to come in and like I said explain explain how much this all meant to the city and the wider picture yeah, and of course, you know, you alluded to, to Graham Wesley there, and, and I've mentioned that the podcast Under the Cosh uh, before. I'm not sure if you've heard of it at all, but it's done by uh, uh, John Parkin. Um, I think is that, yeah. a, is that a familiar name to Newport fans? Oh um, yeah, definitely. He scored one of my favourite goals ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought he, I thought he played for Newport, um, and, yeah. and and Chris Chris Brown as well, who's uh, who's, who's done uh, a few uh, a few football clubs. Um, and comedian Chris Brown as well. So there's two Chris Browns involved. Um, but of yeah. course, um, uh, John Parkin and, uh, and and footballer Chris Brown were at Preston when Graham Wesley uh, came in. Um, and there's no there's no love lost on from their on their part for Graham Wesley. And I think that's that's pretty uh, 
pretty popular with most of their guests to be to be honest with you um he is not a particularly popular man um within football it seems um and certainly on the should we say it from the outside from a from a fan's perspective as well um it it didn't go very well for him at Newport did it no it really didn't i mean i can agree with that and then when when we did eventually stay up, he was coming out in the press saying that his tactics were what kept Newport County in the Football League. And it was just the, the sheer audacity of him. You kind of were a bit like, yeah, we'd stayed up. But at the same time, it was like, um, you know, you put us through all of that and then you want to kind of take credit for everything that Michael Flynn came in and managed to to achieve and managed to salvage out of what he'd left. Um but yeah, I've, I've heard some absolutely crazy stories about him that will make you laugh. But then at the same time, um, like Ben Tozer, when he went to, to Cheltenham, well, Michael Flynn coming in was the only thing that kept Ben Tozer at Newport County for the rest of that season. Um, and, you know, Tozer was very open about how quickly and how severely his mental health deteriorated under Graham Wesley. And um, so I think you hear all these crazy stories about um, about Graham Wesley that, you know, you could sit and laugh at for hours. Um, but then um, and then you hear quite, you know, the serious ones like players, you know, mental health taking, taking like it taking a toll on their mental health, just his management style and how mm-hmm. he was with them. And um, yeah, I, it honestly baffles me how how the man is still involved in football to this day, really all the things I've heard. Yeah. Um, it's, it's almost, for want of a better phrase, damaged goods, isn't he? Um, and he doesn't help yeah. himself. Absolutely No, he help really himself. doesn't. He's like the David no. Brent of football. That's what I always say. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty decent <laughs> analogy, yeah. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. So, moving on from David Brent and Graham Wesley, um, <laughs> Anybody who uh, who follows you on Twitter see will see your profile picture, um, which is you, obviously you at uh, at yeah. Wembley, um, sporting a, um, a a press pass. And you you alluded earlier um, in the in, in our chat to being a, a sports journalist. There's a story to tell there, isn't there? A little bit. Yeah, there is. So. Um started doing press stuff at Newport when I was 17 um, but it was more so just for my own blog and, and my own Twitter trying to you know kind of create a following and um, uh, and just practice skills basically um, mm-hmm. and then I went to uni to study sports journalism in 2018 and I've just graduated and in that time I've God, I've, I've done so much. I've written for the FA. Um, obviously, I've, I've worked on a voluntary basis with Newport County now for a year, um, doing the media stuff and also delving into the commercial side of the club too. Um, yeah, I've done so much. I've done some presenting, podcasting. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, absolutely loads, really. <laughs> mm. So your, um, your blog, is that still an active blog, is it? Yeah, I, I mean... I, the last piece I wrote on it, um, weirdly, was I got shortlisted for the FWA Student Writer of the Year Award 
Mm-hmm. And um, the last piece I wrote on that blog was the piece I submitted for that. And it was about Lionel Messi, why he wanted to leave Barcelona back last summer. Yeah, and, and this um, is the that's, that's, way is the Football Writers Award, yeah? Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, and that's that's the last thing on there. And I would like to, I think, throughout this summer now, I'm going to, now I've got a bit of time off. Um, I want to, you know, invest back, back into my blog because that's kind of what I started doing. And um, as much as I love, football and stuff I also like I mentioned earlier I love like Formula One boxing gymnastics um getting into UFC a lot more lately too so I'd love to to be able to pick the blog back up because like I said that's originally what I started doing and um, I'm quite proud of it so yeah give us a give the blog a plug what's the what's the address Oh, it's quite embarrassing. It was I thought I was clever (laughs) and it was it, (laughs) it was my original Twitter handle and it was it's N Kate AFC and I thought the C for the start of my name could be like NCAFC and it's it's so cringeworthy um and I I don't know how to change the URL because I'm a bit of a dinosaur with stuff like that but um yeah it's still it's still NKAFC it's I think it's in my my like Twitter um header somewhere so so yeah if anyone wants to click on it please um just uh, ignore the URL and just read the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'll uh, uh, I encourage anybody to, to to help out where you can, um, and even if it's just by by adding a, um, a sort of should we call it a visitor number. Um, yeah, and, and given given the um, appreciated, given the content a read. Um, but of course, on the back of um, you know, a blog is obviously a very personal thing. Um, it's yeah. uh, somewhere where you can. Um, where you prefer opinions, thoughts, feelings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that does leave the door open to other people uh, doing likewise. And um, unfortunately, some people get personal, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think my side of things has um, less been on social media and more been my experiences in person with them. Um, kind of like my job can I call it a job now I've graduated am I an official sports journalist I suppose I am <laughs> um so I'm it, not gonna complain more... you're more qualified than I am <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm I've basically graduated so I'm gonna take it now <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah it's more so come come from that side of things more in person kind of things um rather than online um but I suppose it segues nicely into the Her Game 2 campaign and when I was initially asked to be part of that I thought oh well I, d- I don't I don't want to look like a fraud because I don't really get like um, abuse on social media but I thought it shouldn't just be the girls that are experiencing the online abuse that should be angry it should be everyone it should it should be you know women in male-dominated industries across the board that are angry it should be fathers brothers uncles friends Mm-hmm. It should be other women. It it should be everyone. That's um. It should be the media companies knowing full well that I was entering into a male-dominated industry. You kind of, you kind of put your head on the chopping block, and and that's what we did by launching the campaign. But certainly has been more more good than bad by a mile. Yeah. And um, yeah, being able to do that as a passion project is is just yeah. I feel unbelievably proud, really. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about um, her game too, um, and you know the, the reasons why you you got you decided to get involved. Um, I mean, you mentioned uh, it's quite it's a bit different, really, to to everybody else that that, that I've had on who is who's involved in the campaign. Other than um, 
uh, from memory, I'm thinking, uh, other than Kaz, who uh, who had someone um, uh, walk up to her and abuse her face to face. You've just said that, that the, um, the stuff that you've received has been face to face and not online, um, which, you know, that is um, very different. And with i'm 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 not uh doing down the abuse that everybody else has received but it is uh, i can I can imagine that's uh, really really quite intimidating yeah it, it can be intimidating and um you know i i'm quite good at like, sticking up for myself kind of thing and um you know not not taking things to heart but obviously it, it does get to you and like i said from from the age of 18 going into um like uni I, I kind of had to understand that I was going into a male-dominated industry and um, it's kind of things we're taught come with the territory but you should never have to learn to just deal with stuff like that and um, no. as a foot as a football fan I, I can honestly say I've never never heard anything like that over Newport County um, to myself or to anyone else everyone's always been so encouraging and um, and great and even from a work perspective um very encouraging feel very supported I've never been made to feel like the token female at all um which is which is fantastic but it's more so the casual stuff like um you know going into an office and people ask if you're seeing your boss or which players you fancy or Mm. and stuff like that and I've been pushed in front of by a man in a press queue for an FA Cup game and I was actually there reporting for the FA um, you know, I've been at events and men walk into the room and they shake the hands of every man and they kind of skip past you because you're the female. Um, it's more stuff like that. Stuff that's seen as so casual, but it, to me as a female is is blatant sexism. And, and I can feel it, it when yeah. I'm in the room. Yeah, 100%. And um, yeah, like you said, it's it's a really intimidating feeling because you're there to do a job at the end of the day and, and for people to almost undermine that you're there for a job and instead of, you know, they can't quite fathom that you're there as a female and and you're not there for male attention. Um, and mm-hmm. like I said, you're there to do a job and you're there because you love sports and you love football um, as much as everyone else. Um, so yeah. for people to kind of undermine that and not even not even give that a thought because you're, you're just seen as um, the female in the room is, you know, it's like all the men are deserving of respect, the men are deserving of the handshakes and the the introductions and the hellos and and all this kind of stuff like I said it, it seems so um it almost seems kind of minor but as a female I I definitely have felt it in um multiple environments that I've been in and and yeah it, it's never never pushed me it, it, if anything it does the opposite and it makes me it makes me want to do um all these things like her game too it's, it's never ever put me off but um I'm kind of lucky that I have that mentality because I feel like some other girls going into the industry, they would be put off by that. And, um, you know, almost rightly so as well. Um, so I, I think we need to do to do a lot more. And um, that and it, it, all these experiences just prove why why her game too is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the one the thing that really springs to my mind is is the the attitude that, you know, um, the men are there to, to do the work and, and reporting and the women are there to either just, you know, make up the numbers or, uh, to be Look some good. kind of um, supporting staff in in the form of I don't know someone who dishes out the teas and coffees when in fact yeah. 
um, you know, and, and you're there to sort of blend into the background rather than be at the forefront when, you know, in fact, you know, you're there um, as one of those um, foreground individuals. Um, and that comes with, you know, what, what, the, the way that that's going to change is attitude change. And that's exactly why Her Game 2 was created, um, as I understand it, uh, or one of, the, one of the many reasons why it was created is to, uh, is to um, encourage and um i would say enforce it's not probably the wrong word but uh, certainly to to introduce um a change in in thought process um understanding and uh, and 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 ensure that attitudes are changed so that you're not just kind of overlooked as um somebody there to like you say um to to make up the numbers or be in inverted commas the token female um you've got a a a vast array now of um of, of females uh of women in uh, sort of the, the journalism space, the ex-pro space, the punditry space. Um, and it's not as though that they couldn't do it before, but it was never perceived to be, uh, to be again, in inverted commas, the woman's place to be you know, talking on, on, on men's football. But it absolutely is. Um, and, um, yeah, the attitude change um, can't really come uh, soon enough as far as I'm concerned. Um, and uh, an all-power to you for... Um, uh, for being in that space and uh, and continuing what is now a um, a growing trend uh, of uh, of women in in sports journalism. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you you almost kind of feel like you're flying the flag. And I I've never wanted to get a job or um, get an opportunity um, just because I am that like token female and I tick a box. And and someone told me before that you have to take the positive discrimination, and I understand that. Um, like I'm, I'm not naive towards that. I, I know there's a conscious effort to bring more females in uh, and stuff like that. But it's not a case of, um, you know, ticking a box. It's more a case of changing institutionalized sexism and systematic sexism that we've just we've become so used to now. Um, and it almost feels like it's happening late. Um, the the fact that we're in 2021 and you know we're still getting comments on her game too. Like no one actually cares if women watch the football. Like this is so like we're doing it for money and all of these things. And I think people are just so blind to to stuff that's actually going on. So for us to come on podcasts like this and speak about our experiences, whether it's in a work environment or whether it's online, I think is so important because you can't tell someone who's been through it that they haven't been through it. Um, so I think for people to hear these stories about some, I mean, the fact that someone walked up to cars and, and felt that it was okay to to say, like, some of the things that they said to her is just absolutely crazy. Or mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, I know Amy gets so much, like, awful stuff said to her. And I think the the difference between being a male and a female, I always say, like, with the... I always use the Karen Carney example and... um she got absolutely slated online and it, it was I I don't think you can be angry that people disagreed with their opinion or it was a hot take or anything like that because I feel like if we want to be in that space as females we have to accept that sometimes you know we are going to get criticized for our opinion and stuff and and it's never been a case of us not being able to take that like definitely as a woman in the industry I'm completely open to the fact that if I say something wrong or I get something wrong like you have to you have to be willing to, for people to tell you you're wrong. You can't not be told you're wrong because you're a female. But that's, I think people think we're working towards that. Like, that we don't want any criticism at all. And, and it's completely not that. Like, 
that is the complete wrong idea. But I think with the Karen Carney thing, it was less so people saying that her opinion was wrong or it was a bad take. And it was more so it was a bad take because she was a female, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, like people were in the comments saying, um, well, men get like male pundits get told they're wrong all the time and they get criticized and stuff. But I've never seen a sexist comment under, you know, if Gary Neville said something wrong or that was just the first name that sprung to my head. Um, yeah. But Karen Carney was wrong because she was a female as opposed to, you know, she'd had a bit of a bad take kind of thing. And I think mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. I feel like she was fed to fed to the wolves a bit. Yeah, she was. And I think, um, I mean, the one that, that immediately springs to mind is Jermaine Genus um, during England's quarterfinal against Ukraine. And he mentioned that um, Kyle Walker and Jaden Sancho would have a, um, a, a fabulous understanding of the, each other's games from their time together at Manchester City. They were together for about three weeks, um, yeah. And but you know, I saw I saw a bit of criticism, but it, it certainly wasn't anywhere near as um, as as uh, virulent as 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 the Karen Carney incident was. Um, and it would have uh, been and, it would have been criticism, like I said, because of his take. And um, whereas Karen Carney's was criticism because she was a female with that take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you'd, you'd have no doubt seen the, uh, uh, the the sorts of comments, you know, and worse that. That were put up in the uh, in the opening video, the Her Game Two video. So, uh, which isn't yeah. exactly ideal, but um, you know, it's it's one of the things, one of the many uh, many aspects of society that Her Game Two is trying to uh, trying to sort of raise awareness of and and do their bit to eradicate, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think, like I said, initially it was because like the girls came together because of the the social media and the online abuse, but now like having spoken to each other and you know getting to know each other they kind of have an understanding that it's in my workplace and um you know it, it's girls who play football on the schoolyard who you know other girls think they're attention seeking and it, it's girls who play Sunday league football it's girls who it's women who play elite football it's online it's in the workplace is there's so many branches um that you know we want to venture into and we want to raise awareness of and it almost it started as kind of like social media abuse and um and like I said now we've got got to know each other and we're doing more and more work you, you kind of realize that it is um it's embedded absolutely everywhere um within football and um yeah like you said it, it can be quite an intimidating place so um move, moving on I mean clearly we we've, we've spoken about um your um, the, the work that, a little bit about the work that you're doing with um, with Newport County, um, and I mentioned earlier Justin Edinburgh, who obviously had a massive effect at Newport County Football Club uh, or Newport County AFC, should I say? My apologies. Um, <laughs> uh, clearly, um, you know, his his untimely passing um, reverberated around football, um, Leighton Orient and, and Newport and Gillingham and. Um, the clubs that he played for, Spurs being being the primary one. Um, clearly, that you know, you've been doing a little bit of work. Um, I say a little bit of work. You've been doing some voluntary work with Newport County, um, and some of the stories that, um, that 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 you might have heard um, and may have reported on over the last year or so. Um, are, are there, well, I suppose the question I'm asking is. Uh, you know, what exactly can you tell us about the man um, and his uh, 
his personality and his um, uh, his infectious nature um, around the place. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there with infectious nature because I was lucky enough to meet him um, when I was a fan and I think it would have been the season we got promoted or maybe the season before, maybe 11-12. Um, and I've got a picture with him and I think my smile says it all. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. He was just so welcoming, so lovely. Um, like I said, I, I know people who like families we became friends with and ended up having fantastic relationships with around the club. And um, I've never, ever heard a bad word said about Justin Edinburgh. We have a big, a big graphic of him right at the end of our, uh, the like hospitality corridor. And um, yeah, like I said, I, I was lucky enough to meet him and he was, he was just lovely. We, we had a chat. We were stood by the tunnel over um, Spitty Park, actually, before we'd even moved to Rodney Parade. So, it, yeah, it would have been, um, like, 2011, probably, 12. Um, and, yeah, like I said, he was just absolutely lovely, so willing to give everyone his time. I never saw him not have time for anyone, any fans after the game, after losses, um, after, you know, big wins. He was always so invested in in people and and in our club and um i feel like wherever he went he kind of that was kind of like his club if you know what i mean um mm. like at the time it really was just in edinburgh's newport county and um yeah I, i'll never forget what he did for our club like i said um not even just as a manager but relationships he built with people and um the entire atmosphere he he um created at the club I mean Michael Flynn has done absolutely fantastically well um but they were, for me there was just something special about Justin Edinburgh at Newport County yeah yeah uh, there was, must have been some uh, some heavy hearts when he left um to go to Gilligan yeah I'm pretty sure I shed a tear <laughs> no shame in admitting <laughs> that whatsoever um but I mean, even him bringing in Jimmy Dack, who who ended up managing us the season after Justin left, but th- there was absolutely no resentment or anything towards him whatsoever because we knew his potential as a manager and he'd done fantastically well. And it was kind of like you've brought us all this joy and you you brought us the one thing we'd wanted for so many years a 25 year absence from the football league, and he yeah he, he made his dream again as a club. And um, we kind of were like, yeah, go go and have your moment at Gillingham. Like, you, that's what you deserve. Um, you deserve to be like a big club and recognised. And uh, and yeah, but certain certainly heavy hearts because it was a bit like, oh gosh, where where do we go? Where do we go from here? He kind of was like the cream of the crop. Um, and um, yeah, I think everyone recognised how lucky we were to have him as a manager and just just part of the club. So, so mm-hmm. like that time for me so positive whereas a lot of um Newport County memories and seasons sometimes they're clouded with a bit of uncertainty or oh gosh we had a few bad games and and stuff like that but Edinburgh's time at the club um just yeah it just feels like such a happy time yeah and it's a a legacy that's uh that's it's clearly being carried on by um Michael Flynn who played under him um I think I'm right in saying that, aren't I? Yeah, uh, yeah, you are. So, and you know, when you have good managers and good people around a football club, they're 
their personality and their um, and their good instincts tend to rub off on people um, and and on their on their players. And from the outside, there's a lot of good stuff that's going on inside Newport County um, that uh, that Michael Flynn has carried on that Justin Edinburgh, uh, uh, shall we say, inserted. Um, and um, that can only be a healthy thing um, because, as, as you rightly say, um, Justin moved to Gillingham, who were at a higher level. Um, didn't quite work out for him the way I think that he would have liked, but, you know, he ended up going yeah. uh, to Leighton Orient, getting them uh, promoted. And um, that... Uh, we all know what happened after the um, after that promotion season at Orient, uh, which is a cry and shame. But clearly, there's a legacy being being left by Justin Edinburgh at, at Newport County, and um, and uh, I'm sure I speak on behalf of of all Newport County fans. Um, uh, <laughs> long long may uh, long may that continue. No, I was just going to say, I think, like you said, the the club of um you know it's been of paramount importance to us that we we never let that legacy die because what he achieved for us was just so huge in the grand scheme of things a return to the football league after 25 years um and and not just that but like, like you said everything um everything he brought to the club i think is so important when you talk about Justin Edinburgh to to talk about him as a person as well as a footballer and and a manager as well um you you only have to you only have to look at how how valued he is by you know Charlie is son is doing a fantastic job, and um, yeah just a, a family man who invested in people and um, you know brought out the best in his players and Aaron O'Connor you know he calls him pops because he was like a father figure so I I think that that speaks volumes not mm-hmm. just to him as a, a footballer and a manager but to to him as a person too. Yeah, and you know, when you when you hear somebody who has a, a nickname like that uh, on a, on an individual one to one basis, that that's that like you say, that speaks absolute volumes for the uh, for the character of the man. Um, and yeah, as I say, long may that legacy continue. Um, yeah. Anyway, moving moving on, um, we get to what I've said so often now is now my favourite part of of my podcast, the significant six. Um, I don't know if you've managed to uh, to have a quick look and and, and thoughts about the uh, about the six questions, but these are six very simple questions of your uh, your 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 favourites, shall we say? Uh, yeah, it, I'm can we for just and uh, discuss your uh, your answers. So, question one: your favourite game that you've attended? My favourite game, I think, has to be um, when we got promoted um, against Wrexham. It, it has to be just mm-hmm. the, the whole day, you know, the sun was shining. We were at Wembley. Um, like I said, the significance of what we achieved, the group of players we had were just amazing. The whole day was, was just incredible. And that's, that's the one that always springs, springs to my mind when people ask our favorite game, my favorite game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, as you said said earlier, two very late goals, eighty six minutes, and then presumably, I mean, I didn't watch the game myself, um, but presumably the ninetieth minute goal was uh, was on the counter. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I've spoken a, a couple of times to, uh, um, dare I say it, England um, England supporters who were uh, <laughs> watching the um, uh, the England Germany game, and that first goal is just you know all the hope. And the expectation 
and the noise from that goal, as you can tell, the noise is, uh, oh shit, we might just be doing this. And then that 90th yeah. minute, I can just imagine the noise is just a kind of relief noise. Uh, yeah, there's no way we're going to lose this, this lose this game now. Um, and yeah, um, like you say, 25 years in the wilderness. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's to, exactly uh, how into, we felt. Into five into five minutes, which I can imagine probably felt like <laughs> 25 years again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was um, Christian Jolly's 15th goal of the season as well. Um, mm -hmm. So he just he'd just been an absolute bagsman for us that season, and then. Aaron O'Connor, you know, he's a, he's a fan favourite to this day. And um, for, for him to claim his goal to, um, yeah, it was absolute pandemonium. But you could sense the relief. Because even after one goal, you're still like, it's, it's not much of a cushion, one goal, as, as every football fan will know. Um, so when that when that second went in, yeah, it was, it was like we were just firing on all cylinders and... We were like, right, let's do everything we can to just, you know, clinch this victory and for those goals to come so quickly after one another. Um, and it was, we we then knew we could feel like, yeah, we've done it. Mm -hmm. It was, yeah. And, kind and of if there's one thing that, good that felt. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. And if there's one thing that Welsh crowds do do really well, it's uh, hashtag bounce watch. Um, yeah, I can imagine that. Uh, yeah, there was a, a fair amount of limbs, I'd like to say, you know, sort of broken limbs in the uh, in the Newport end when those two goals went in. Uh, I can, yeah, definitely. Really, I, can, I, think I can picture I few, it now. I think I had a few bruises and stuff when I got back, just <laughs> from everyone just absolutely clamouring over cheers and jumping on everyone, and yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So. Uh, your favourite away ground? Oh, um, I can't say Wembley because, like I said, we play there so often. It's like a home ground to us. Like. <laughs> um, I mean, well, I think practice. Wembley goes... <laughs> I think <laughs> Wembley goes without saying, so I feel like I'm cheating if I say Wembley. Um, um, I really enjoyed Bradford, Bradford away. Um, not, not the game, it was terrible and we lost 1-0 and our coach broke down. Um, but the the ground has so much history and it's huge. And you, I just went there and I thought this they should not be in League Two, the size of the club. Um, mm -hmm. But the ground, yeah, like we, it has so much history and it's kind of like a really, really old ground and um, it's really steep too. It's absolutely huge um, for a League Two ground and yeah, yeah, I really like their ground because, like I said, the history. I like his, I like stadiums with. Um, with a bit of character. Like, I loved Craven Cottage when I went. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, I think... That's quite a popular um, one, actually. Uh, more than one person said Craven Cottage on this question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I covered a game there, um, went with uni. But um, if we're talking as a Newport County fan, then I think I'd have to say Bradford. Yeah. I, I like Valley Parade. Um, I've been there twice, uh, 2004 yeah. and 2015 FA Cup quarterfinal. Um, and that quarterfinal, needless to say, it was uh, a packed house. Um, it was, there yeah. wasn't an, an empty seat. It was the season that, uh, that Bradford beat uh, Chelsea and Sunderland in the, um, in the FA Cup. Um, yeah, they had a we, bit of a go, didn't they? They did, yeah. We beat them in the quarterfinal, but you know, um, they, they, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, we, it was a nil-nil draw. We beat them after a replay. 
Um, I like, I say, I like it. Um, it's a proud old club, um, a traditional yeah. ground uh, or traditional uh, traditional club. I found it quite quite um, quirky because of the, uh, you know, the, like you say, those two absolutely massive stands. And you just think if they wrapped all the way around the ground, to what, you yeah. know, what sort of size, what sort of, I mean, it's 25,000 now, I think it is. Um, and that stand, that to- two-tier stand on the side of the pitch, it only goes about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way along. And you just think, how big could this place be? But, you know, of course, it's quirky insofar as as well. It's perched on on um, on the hillside of a of, of a yeah. valley. Um, the uh, um, I can't forget. I think is it the Leeds Road stand or something like that. I can't remember uh, the stand. The, the smaller stand along the side of the pitch is uh, it kind of just sort of hangs over the road and yeah, it's. it's got I, a lot I, of I enjoy it. it. It has, it has, yeah, and I like their kit as well. It, again, it's a unique kit in English football. Um, yeah. The, uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's um, good choice, really good choice. Um, so, and you know, this may be fairly obvious, um, but talk to us about your favourite season. Um, again, I feel like I have to say 2012-13 because of just that team the manager the you know the how how big that playoff final was um so that season 100% is my favorite season like i said that that whole time around the club just feels like it feels like it felt like we played the whole season in the summer like you know when you think of going over to rod like if i think of going over to rodney parade and it's raining and it's cold and that whole season just felt like we didn't really have any of those like miserable games. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that season for sure. Um, but then I think our FA Cup runs of recent 2018-19, I think comes really close. Um, just because of, like I said, 2017 was, we were almost sunk. And, um, and then to, the year, the year later, to be in a position now where we're like, oh, we really are kicking on, and um, we had those incredible FA Cup days, um, and yeah, I, I feel like people really, really started taking a look at Newport County and taking us very seriously as a football club, and mm-hmm. then realizing our potential, and then obviously we made the playoff final too. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think that's quite a close second for me, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, and just looking at the uh, that that uh, FA Cup run. Um, in eighteen nineteen, um, the Met Police in the first round. Yeah, uh, interesting game. Then... <laughs> Met Police away as well, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. It was... So you say it's an interesting go, game. Was... I didn't go, um, but it was chucking down with rain. I know that, and um, yeah, I didn't think we were going to get anything out of that one, but luckily, yeah, pulled through in the end. <laughs> Uh, you an, an interesting up? fixture. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. But it was one of those uh, one of those ones that that um, you know, ground offers like me like to like to attend just to say, oh yeah, I've been to the Met Police. We went, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, could you remember your second round opponents? Um, see, I get confused between <laughs> like the first year and the second. It, it I. It wasn't Wrexham, was it? Or was it? It was Wrexham. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was Wrexham. Yeah. And then we, yeah, we 
took them to a replay and then beat them 4-0. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. yeah, you got it. Yeah. And then, of course, there was the, uh, the third round, Leicester. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I saw, as I say, watched on TV. Um, and it was a late equaliser, wasn't it, for Leicester? Um, followed by, was it a penalty two or three minutes later? Was it Padre uh, Amund who scored yeah, the penalty? Yeah, Padre Amund. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, what a game that was. That's one of my favourite games. Um, it was just, for, for Podge as well, I mean, he was like joint, FA Cup top scorer along with Gabriel Jesus, which is another <laughs> yeah. one of those. It's another one of those ones where it's just like you say that out loud and it is almost laughable. But he was, I mean, Padre Gammon's an absolute. He's a county legend, really, um, mm-hmm. and um, he just really, really proved his worth and proved his quality in that competition. And um, yeah, we became giant killers. We really did. You did that season because it was Middlesbrough next, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I remember this game. I remember the home home tie like it was yesterday. We we took them to a replay and then we played them at home. And anyone who knows me knows that Robbie Wilmot is like probably my favourite ever county player. Um, and he he scored, and I literally ran like the length of the pitch down the terrace. And I was just bawling my eyes out. And my dad was like, I didn't know where on earth you went. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, I was like down, but like near the corner flag when we were stood like near the dugout. Just absolute. That was another one where it was absolute pandemonium. And I think it meant a little bit more to me that it was it was Robbie that got that goal. Yeah, it came to an end, didn't it? But uh, you certainly put up a, a good showing uh, for yourself, didn't you, against against Manchester City? Yeah, I mean, the fact that it was nil-nil at half-time, I, it was, I actually covered um, that game um, for the FA. I covered the Leicester game for the FA too. Um, so I was up in the press box trying to remain calm. But um, I, I remember at the end of the game, Pep Guardiola was stood about two metres away from me. And I was like, I'm at Rodney Parade with Pep Guardiola stood next to me. And it was mm. just... It was one of those ones where, you know, we could have been beaten 10-0 and I don't think it would have taken anything away from from the occasion. And again, with, yeah. with Podge getting that consolation and the manner in which he did it, it was such a cheeky goal and it was it was just absolute quality. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, a fantastic day. The atmosphere, everything about it, the whole city was just absolutely buzzing in the days leading up to that. And I think that's why the Middlesbrough win as well was, was so huge because... The fact that we we knew we were going to be welcoming Manchester City to little old Newport was um, a crazy prospect and even crazier when it actually turned up and we saw the players like walking out onto the ground and probably thinking, what on earth are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got to respect uh, Pep Guardiola for, for his approach to the FA Cup as well. I mean, he's not turned up to Newport and he, it's what he does with, uh, with, with all of his cup ties, really. He doesn't turn up to, to places and do uh, what a lot of uh, people do, what a lot of managers do, and play literally a second string um, of players, of youngsters, and that, of, that anybody's with respect to these players that, that nobody's really heard of. Um, he plays strong sides. And, you know, he, he had Edison in goal. He had John Stones, Nicholas Otamendi, 
uh, Fernandinho, Leroy Sané, Riyad Mahrez, Gabriel Jesus. You know, he brought uh, Imerick Laporte and uh, Ilkay yeah. Gundogan off the bench. Um, you know, and you know he had he had his big big hitters um, on the bench like Kevin De Bruyne, Kyle Walker, uh, Raheem Sterling, uh, Bernardo yeah. Silva. Um, he, he didn't bring on, but you can't turn around and say that that's a second string side. That's a side that would finish in the top three of any Premier League season um, at, at any given time, really, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's why I speak so highly of Pep Guardiola as a manager. You know, we saw like Jurgen Klopp completely discredit the the cup with, um, you know, the tie against Shrewsbury. And he was on about not even turning up in any plays as under 23s. And, and I get that he spoke about fixture congestion and stuff, but I feel like you have to respect the history of the competition and how much it means to these lower lower sides and the fans of these lower league sides to, you know, come down and make an effort against us and respect us. And Pep Guardiola does just that. He did it when they played Bristol City. I have a few mates that are Bristol City fans and they always speak about how respectful Pep was of them. Um and then I go to uni in Cheltenham and obviously they had they had their big tie against um, Manchester City too and um and Pep just he, he absolutely loved he loved being there because he, he said it reminded him of you know it's almost humbling for these big sides because these players remember when where they started and how they started out and and Pep said the exact same thing and yeah I, I always um speak very highly of Pep Guardiola because of of my experiences with him, you know, coming down mm-hmm. to Newport and, um, yeah, not not treating us like we were lead two side or not treating us like we didn't we didn't deserve to have, um, you know, a, a good team put against us because also we we kind of were beating anyone that was put in front of us, and um, I'm not saying it ever crossed anyone's mind that we that we may beat Manchester City, but you know, if they if they came down and were got a bit embarrassed, then and he didn't play a strong side, then. Yeah, that that is kind of embarrassing and um, pretty disrespectful. So, yeah, yeah, I can't speak highly enough for how, how um, respectful he is of you know the the competition's history and coming to lower league sides. Yeah, very well put. Um, so, uh, your favorite ever away day? Ooh, um, favorite ever away day. Um, we beat Boris Green Rovers 4 0. Um, in I want to say 2018, I want to say 2018. Um, and that was a fantastic away day because I think we had more fans, more away fans than they did. And going to like the local grounds like Cheltenham, um, Forest Green. Swindon. Oh, when we beat Swindon 2-0, that was also because we did the double over them and they ended up getting promoted that season. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mark O'Brien and Jamil Matt scored. That was also another fantastic away day. Um, but I it's think always good to beat Swindon away. It is. <laughs> Everyone loves to beat Swindon, don't they? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Forest Green Rovers kind of became local rivals a bit. So to go there and win 4-0 and um, it was just a great atmosphere. And um, like I said, because we we take so many there, and um, it's not a big ground at all, so you can really, you can really make a fantastic atmosphere at Forest Green Rovers. Mm-hmm. Um, so to go there and win four nil, I just remember it being, being 
yeah great atmosphere so that was that was one that sticks out in my mind but yeah the 2-0 the over Swindon now I'm thinking about it was great too <laughs> okay so um your favorite current Newport player Ooh, um um it it was probably Joss Labadee but now he's got a move to Walsall um which I was I was gutted that he's left um now Robbie Wilmot's re-signed. I feel like I have to say Robbie because everyone knows I love him. But take mm-hmm. out like those transfers, then um, Matty Dolan. I think he's just absolutely fantastic. What he does around the club and the community, what he brings to the pitch, how well he adapted to Flinney changing his position at the start of this year. Um, he bounced back after an injury. And um, just he, he's one of them you can always rely on. Um, Matthew Dolan and yeah he's he's one of those ones I can't speak highly enough of him as a person as well as a player so I feel like I have to say Matty Okay and your favourite all time Newport player Oh, This is quite an easy one I think I have to say David Pipe um, Okay Just yeah the, the passion he brought to the club um, just his mentality you know, he'd be coaching from the sidelines. He still turns up to games now. He's a local boy. Um, when he was good, he was great. Um, he, he was with us for so long. He was our captain with us when we got promoted. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen a more passionate player um, in a Newport County shirt. So, um, he was just, he got everyone going. He got the players going. He got the fans going. Um so, yeah, David Pike for me, my favourite ever county player. Yeah, he had uh, two spells with you, didn't he? Yeah, he did come back, yeah, because he left us, went to FGR. Um, yeah, and then we re-signed him and that was a bit like, oh, he's back where he belongs type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, he got the um, he got the assist for Mark O'Brien's great escape goal too. Never actually scored for us, David Pike. Um but then he retired that season, and I think he he retired quite happy with what he'd done with us, and I think we were all very mm-hmm. happy with him too. Yeah, yeah, because uh, say he, I mean, he's Welsh as well. I mean, he started his career at Coventry, if I remember rightly. But uh, um, yeah, I remember him uh, being being a a bit of a stalwart for uh, for, for Newport. You say he had a, a couple of seasons at, at Forest Green, and then uh, um, I think he he went to Eastleigh, didn't he? Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, before re-signing, um, and but yeah, uh, no, that's a that's a very good a very good choice. And and you know what, it, it it's funny how um, fans of most clubs always take to um, take to the to the to the passionate player, um, over, yeah, more so over the, uh, the 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 sort of the technically gifted, um, skillful but quiet player. Um, I'll always remember, you know, Reading fans still still talk about Phil Parkinson. Um, so, you know, they, 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 they took to Phil Parkinson much more readily than they did someone like, say, Sulky Kuhn, um, who had a season with us, um, who was insanely skillful. Um, yeah. But yeah, Phil Parkinson, what he, you know, it, it sounds like David Pipe is one of these players, uh, very similar, that he, uh, what he lacked in, in skill and, and technical ability with the ball at his feet, uh, he made up in heart and desire. And, you know, all fans love that, don't they? Yeah, I couldn't have put it any better. That's exactly what he brought. And um, like you said, the fans just love him because you could tell he just absolutely lived and breathed Newport County. You know, he, he played for 
played for the club every time he put the shirt on and yeah he was he was great to watch it's tough really tough to play against too and um, mm-hmm. like I said when he was good on the pitch he was fantastic so um so yeah like you said I think every every fan loves a player that loves their club so yeah yeah absolutely um well I think that's a, a really a good and positive place uh, to end it. You can uh, you can now trot merrily merrily away with thoughts of David Pipe in your head um, <laughs> for the rest of the day. Kate, <laughs> Caitlin, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it um, no, as I do too. all my thank episodes. You so much. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, so thank you very much for, for coming on, regaling your your thoughts, your memories, and your um, and your experiences. Um, both positive and negative in in, in football. Um, just uh, uh, before we we um, we go, uh, the her game two uh, campaign. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. They can be uh, followed on social media. Um, the Twitter um, account is at her game two, uh, yeah. and there's obviously the hashtag her game two as well. Um, there's a is there, there is there an Instagram account as well at her game two? Yeah. Instagram is at her game two as well. And then like mm-hmm. you said, you can use the hashtag her game two. We're yep. we're um, posting all the time. We've hit ten thousand followers. Um so we're really on a massive upward trajectory at the moment. So mm-hmm. yeah. I must get myself Very an Instagram proud. account. It's one of I, I like I said, <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you're you're a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to uh to, I really to, am. Uh, technology. <laughs> you said it, not me. Um but uh, yeah, when it comes to social media, it took me forever to get on Facebook and then I succumbed. It took me forever to get on Twitter and then I succumbed. I still haven't got an Instagram account. I can feel myself succumbing. Um, yeah, so, it's uh, the way yeah. the world, isn't it? You can't really avoid it <laughs> No, no, exactly. Um, so, and there's also a, a website, hergame2.co.uk, uh, which is uh, yeah. ever-increasing content on it. Um and uh, you can get merchandise from a variety of outlets, including um, the Terrace. Uh, and where else can we get merchandise from? I think all our merchandise has now been put onto our website. So if you go onto there, you can basically find whatever you need to find from our website. So yeah, and Perfect. if you if you go on our Twitter, there'll be like links and stuff. If you have a bit of a scroll down, um, yeah, and yeah, our well, our launch video is um, pinned to our Twitter. So. Yeah, you can Absolutely. pretty much find everything you need to by just at her game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, also just to say that any merchandise profits go to charity, don't they? Yeah, we're still yet to decide on a charity. Um, we're thinking of maybe distributing it around grassroots clubs. Um, but obviously it's quite a big thing to decide because we're not making any money at, um, like our, ourselves, if you know what I mean. We want to put everything back into the campaign. Um, no, which absolutely. has been a bit of a yeah which people seem to think we're um pocketing a bit of money <laughs> off it which we we certainly are not um it's complete like ultimate passion project and um yeah we're just looking forward to seeing it grow and yeah and hopefully everyone can help by um investing in it um whether that's buying the merch or even just you know following or liking on social media it all it all counts and um it all goes towards sending out a bigger message too. Absolutely, it uh, it does. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, basically, people do what Caitlin says, and uh, the world will be will, will continue spinning. <laughs> uh, just yeah, a couple I of like li- that. <laughs> <laughs> just a 
just a couple of little bits from me before uh, before we leave you for this episode. Um, my social media, you can follow me at Terrace Memoirs on Twitter. Um, there is a Facebook group of the same name. Um, invariably or inevitably, there will be a, an Instagram account, I'd imagine, um, if only to follow her game too. Um, don't expect too many, uh, too many photos. I'm not very photogenic. I have a perfect face for radio. Um, and uh, but yeah, otherwise, and oh yeah, and lastly, uh, there is uh, an email address. If you want to come onto the show, if you want to refer anybody to me, or you have any comments, queries, questions, um, criticisms, corrections, absolutely anything, um, you can email me at Terrace Memoirs, uh, which so the email address is terracememoirs at gmail.com. Uh, but this, uh, all this leaves me to say now is uh, once again, thank you so, so much, Caitlin, um, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Um, and delving into a club that I, you know, before today, I didn't really know a huge amount about, uh, but it's been educational for me and hopefully it's been cathartic and therapeutic for you. Yeah, it has. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed myself and I just want to say thanks for, yeah, all the support and exposure for Her Game too, because like I said, it's a massive passion project for all of us. So we really appreciate everyone getting involved and um, investing their time into it. So yeah, thank you. No, absolutely my pleasure. So, uh, yes, this is uh, Terrace Memoirs episode, what number are we on? Seven uh, of her Game 2 series, over and out.